You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 65, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm without Jack this week. He missed the Leeds game yesterday. He was playing football. He did score a free, he did score a goal, which was described as a worldie by Worcester Park Twitter account. Um, so well done to him. He is, uh, you know, running marathons and scoring screamers is our boy Jack, but he's not here this week. I'm joined by a very special guest, Tom Cowley. Tom was on for the Aston Villa game earlier on in the season. And, you know, he kind of said when he came on, we talk about scrappy, when he comes on, we talk about scrappy games where Chelsea score three goals. So I guess, uh, you know, it seems quite fitting, but we've had two scrappy games this week where we scored three goals. Uh, Tom, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you very much. That is the way that things go for me. It's not deliberate, but that's how it goes. And also, can I add, Jack's goal is definitely a tap-in. Like, he's paid that admin off. There's no chance he scored a worldie. I mean, yeah, I guess we need to see a video footage of that if anyone's got it. But uh, yeah, uh, Tom, you know, before before we start, as I do with all guests, why don't you give yourself a plug where people can find you? And obviously, you know, you're kind of work for, for the Chelsea Social, et cetera. And obviously your own works of covering uh, Bristol City this season. Yeah. So uh, on Twitter, it's just at Tom Cody 49. Fairly simple. Uh, do a little bit of everything, really. More on the cricket um, at the Chelsea Socials, where we do lots of Chelsea centred coverage um, with a team of writers. Got lots of people that you probably already know. Uh, people like Jam and Jay used to work for us as well. Um, and then also, as you said, cover Bristol City this season um, at for Bristol Live. Um, so if you have any interest in Casey Palmer or Jay De Silva or Thomas Callas um, or any of the Chelsea loanees as well, because we do get around a fair few like Ian Martin and Levi Colwell um, this season. So if you want a little bit of the lowdown on that from a championship perspective, I also do work for them as well. Yeah, make sure you check Tom out in the description below. He is a really, really great guy. So let's get to, obviously, the week started uh, with a free all draw with Zenit. I will try and sum it up in about 30 seconds, and then I'll just get Tom to add 
his thoughts on it. So to sum up in 30 seconds, we rotated our side. Sar played. Sar ain't it. Sal played. Sal ain't it. Werner played. He was good. Probably his best game in a Chelsea shirt. Two goals and assists. Ron played. Wasn't really it, but scored a goal. Um, defensively, Ish, a joke. Shambolic. Christensen, yeah, not very good. Uh, Kepper wasn't actually that bad, to be fair. You know, made, made some important saves, probably stopped us losing. Um, yeah, wasn't very good, but uh, we move on. Tom, anything to add? No, not particularly. It wasn't very good. Um, but one thing I, w- I will respond to any major critics or meltdowns on, on the timeline because there was far too much yet again for sort of the second time in three days. Um, Chelsea were forced to play a weak team, basically. Otherwise, we risk injuries for yesterday. The different we made seven changes from a Champions League game, which people thought was vital, to a league game which is arguably less vital. Um, that shows the depth that we've got um, in inverted commas because the depth that we have is being questioned at the moment. When you make changes and you force people like Christensen and Lukaku and to an extent Reece James in midfield to play with a bunch of people that aren't competent, Saul, Malangsar, you know, to an extent other players in that team that don't really need to be mentioned because you know who they are already. Um, You're going to get a bad performance. The result didn't come. We nearly scraped through. But at the end of the day, you've got to beat the best to be the best in the Champions League. And if we happen to draw Brian, so be it. But we'll have to get past them just like we'd have to get past PSG if we got them finishing first. It happens. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, no, obviously it was frustrating given the fact that it seemed, you know, late on we had sort of, you know, snuck it at the end. We had sort of secured top spot, uh, but then we go and concede in the 94th minute and it's free all. But yeah, Werner, I guess he's like the main positive I really want to take about that. Tom, you know, that was Timo. That was maybe one of his actual best games in a Chelsea show. You know, two two finishes. Obviously the first goal, you know, he can't really miss, but he does well, you know, laying on the assist for Lukaku and the second goal he scores is actually a really nice finish. And it was nice to see Timo, you know, didn't get too many chances, but he, you know, got some and he took them, took them well. Yeah, it's... It, it, it was pretty good. I mean, obviously, his first goal, as you say, is, it's a tap-in. Like he, he, even Timo Werner, the um, enigmatic Timo Werner, couldn't miss that one. Um, and the second one was really, really sharp. That little shift, playing inside that left channel, where we know he likes to be, but we don't see it enough for Chelsea. Picked up the ball. It's a lovely little shift. It looked, it looked really, really sharp, actually, Timo Werner. Um, and as much as players like Hudson Odoi, I'm sure would have loved to get him in the team for yesterday. Werner did deserve his start um, and Tuchel alluded to as much when you've got a player like Werner who is so heavily up and down uh, when it comes to his form you need to take advantage of any confidence he's got so I thought Tuchel was absolutely right to play him yesterday after as you said what one of one of his better games he, he was really key yeah no exactly exactly and look it was nice for Timo to get some confidence and I think that's what three goals in the Champions League this he obviously did score against Juventus as well so look hopefully you know we can get him firing in that competition but yeah it was not ideal Chelsea you know do come second in our group it means our options are limited to Bayern Munich Real Madrid Ajax and Lille obviously the draw is on Monday so we will wait to find out who we get there but look it's Chelsea you know you've got to beat the best to go far in this competition Chelsea did beat you know some of the best teams last year en route to winning it so we'll just have to see what happens it was not ideal it was frustrating especially after West Ham we did want to bounce back uh, but I guess that made yesterday against Leeds Really, really important. Tom, Leeds, ugh. that was not an enjoyable watch. It was stressful. It was open. It was it was chaotic. It was, I guess, you know, in a way, it was just a throwback. It was, you know, 
you'd say it was sort of sort of a Barclays anymore, but you would say classic Barclays. That was, you know, a game sort of had it all. Yeah, and I can't remember who I heard say it. It might have been um, the straight out of Cobham guys uh, in midweek say that these last couple of weeks have been the positives and negatives of Frank Lampard's Chelsea. And I completely agree. You've got three alls, three twos, crazy games where Chelsea don't play well. But the difference is, the difference is, under Lampard, we lose yesterday and we probably lose in midweek and we definitely lose to Watford. Not that it's a comparison, but for all the ugliness and all the good stuff as well, because there was some good stuff. Chelsea have become almost a moments team in this past couple of weeks. We were dreadful against Nor- uh, against Watford, sorry, but scored two really nice goals with some really nice football. And the same yesterday. We, we weren't amazing, but then scored a really, really decent goal from Mason Mount. Really nice bit of play, like some incisive passing. Chelsea do look to, at the moment be like a, like a moments team. And it's trying to build that up again. Um, I don't know exactly what's going wrong. It's hard to cut out individual mistakes. But Chelsea as a collective don't look as united um, in terms of the speed of their play, the organisation. It seems a bit disjointed. And I don't know where that's happened or why that's happened or how you change it. So I haven't really got much to offer on that front. But from the outside of you, Chelsea look reactive. um, Because... I don't know what you thought, but I thought we started the game pretty well yesterday. First 10, 15 minutes, passing was slick. It felt nice. It was like something's going to come here. And then as soon as it sort of hits 20, 25 minutes and it doesn't come, you get those those feelings that Chelsea haven't had recently. It's felt so assured and it just doesn't at the moment. It feels like the players are doubting themselves. Yeah, no, exactly. It's one of those things that they say, before yesterday, you know, we started well. We started really well. Then we, you know, conceded a stupid penalty that knocks us for a bit. Takes us a bit of a while to get our confidence back. We then get going again. We then get that equaliser. We then nearly should, you know, Kai Venom misses a great chance just before half time. We then kind of continue that on in the second half. We get the goal. And then we retreat. We stop playing. You know, we lose control of that game. Leeds then get back into it. And, you know, at 2-1, you know, unlike, you know, maybe previous weeks, you know, in Chelsea, you'd think, okay, we can hang on to this. Now there does feel a sense of inevitability that we're going to concede. Eventually that happens. And then Chelsea come out fighting again late, late on. And eventually, you know, this time, they're actually able to get it over the line. It is, Chelsea are very, yeah, it feels like I say we're almost like watching a throwback to like just many previous years of Chelsea at the moment. This just really seems to be like, yeah, all these all these same issues we're seeing are, are starting to, to arise. But Tom, I guess let's, let's go back to when Leeds take the lead. Um, yeah, it's a penalty. Marcus Alonso, it's not great from him. And look, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about Marcus Alonso because this game, I feel if ever you wanted to get, have a game that just encapsulates the bizarre enigma that is Marcus Alonso, this game is it. So let's, let's start with, you know, I'm going to call this the good, the bad and the ugly of Marcus Alonso. This, this is the ugly of Marcus Alonso. That tackle, it's, I mean, it is a penalty. Like, it is a penalty. It's late. Fails down, James. I mean, what, what's he doing there, man? It's just so poor. I can't, I genuinely can't tell you. I mean, use the word enigma. I think I used that that word as well as some others um, towards Marcus Alonso yesterday. It, it, I've never seen a footballer like him. And we say this so often, but it just doesn't surprise us anymore. And yesterday, I actually think was, was, was the end of the line for Marcus Alonso for me. Um, I defended him at the start of the year when he came in ahead of Chilwell. And I kept defending him when he kept on getting played. 
And as much as much as people were saying, yeah, but it's about time he dropped out before he has a stinker. You have to let him have the stinker because you know it's coming, but you have to let it happen because if he's playing well, why wouldn't you take advantage of it? And I've defended him and I thought, you know what, we, we will be fine without Chilwell, at least until January. It doesn't feel like that anymore. The fact that Tuchel was willing to bring in Saul, who's been nothing short of a disaster in centre mid to play at left wing back over Alonso, let alone just for fitness, just to play him there, tells you something about that man at the moment. He is on a different planet to every other player. He plays all for himself. And I know you're going to say the good, the bad and the ugly. I don't see the good anymore because the good is actually becoming embarrassing. Because when the good happens, it's because Alonso wants the good to happen, which means that the bad happens because he can't really be asked, And that is the way that Marcus Alonso functions. So to go back to your question, what is he doing for that penalty? I don't know. He, he's switching off thinking he can do what he wants because he, he's Marcus Alonso. He is the all-great, the almighty, the all-powerful, free-kick scoring defender that gets away with things because he scores the odd goal. It's not at that stage anymore. I would be extremely happy not to see him wear a Chelsea shirt ever again. I don't know how we get through the Christmas period without him, but that was really, really painful. And right now, we know that he is costing one of the better Chelsea teams we've seen in the past six, seven years. Um, Whereas Alonso under Lampard, it felt like the perfect... Um, metaphor for a Lampard team was Marcus Alonso. Bit up and down, bit inconsistent, not quite sure what you're going to get, but it's probably going to be entertaining. Alonso under Tuchel is the most un-Tuchel-like player. He's not quick. He doesn't work hard. He's not quick on the ball. He doesn't have this great positional sense. He just sort of pops up. He's not disciplined. That is everything you don't want from a Tuchel player. And I know we'll, we'll come on to Chilwell. He is everything Tuchel wants. Even though he's a Lampard player bought by Lampard, he is everything Thomas Tuchel wants in a player. And Marcus Alonso is everything he doesn't. And it's really hard to play with. And I'm gonna, it's, it will sound harsh, but he's a weed in that team. You're only as good as your worst player is the, the sort of cliche. And that's, I don't think that's necessarily true. But Marcus Alonso has such huge deficiencies that he is so easy to target for a game. Watford did it. This unorganised Watford managed to sort realise that attacking Marcus Alonso and pressing him was the only, was the way to get at Chelsea. And there's no way that we can play out of it. And oh, he, it's harsh, but he genuinely almost disgusts me in his manner, the way he thinks he can get away with things. Marcus Alonso's number one fan, Tom Cody, speaking, speaking his views there. Right, look, it, it was really bad. And look, I'm going to, you know, we'll go to bed a bit later when I get to talk about my love eventually But as I said, this is this section is called the good, the bad, and the ugly Mark Swanzo. The good, the goal. He plays a crucial part in that. Melier pings it out to Dallas. Um, you know, Alonso pressures him, wins the ball off him, plays it to Timo. Timo plays it back to him. Alonso whips in across, and there's Mason Mount, and it's 1-1. Before, you know, we're going to interrupt the, the good, the bad, and the ugly section of Mark Swanzo. We're going to talk about Mason Mount because Tom, he's just for Leeds fans. It was a really nice finish, and it was Mason Mount, you know. We we just like him. We just like that from him. And he's also oh. now equaled his goal tally from last season in the Premier League already. I'm I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Like it, it seems petty almost as an equaliser, but oh I loved it. And as Pilaqueta at the end of the game as well. It's gorgeous. And I was no we'll get on to Rudiger as well. The exact same. We need this. We need these characters. 
the more I look at Mason Mount, the more I genuinely can't believe it's the same bloke that came into our team um, a couple of years ago. I can't believe that Chelsea have actually managed to find somebody like Mason Mount. And the same happens with hudson Odoi, and the same happens with Reese James. It does. I look at them and I go, Chelsea actually produced this. We haven't had to buy this. It's a special feeling and there is a special connection towards Mason Mount. He is getting to just ridiculous levels and he's not spoken about. We see it on match of the day. James Ward-Prowse will have a good game and everyone will go, oh, he should be starting for England. Mason Mount has good games all the time and he's already starting for England, but his numbers this season are ludicrous and he's not really been playing that well until the past month. He was really, really average for the first couple of months of the season um, and his stats reflect that. The way he's come back, he is showing just remarkable levels of form right now. The way he's getting into positions, he's finishing. I don't, I haven't seen him miss a shot recently. I can't remember when he's shot and it's not gone in because every shot seems to go in. His finishing seems so assured inside the box, outside the box, volley, right foot, left foot. He can take set pieces. He's working as hard as ever going forward. I don't see the flaw in Mason Mount's game because for any small issues he has, he just works tirelessly to not make it a problem. He's the complete package. He's going the entire way in world football. He is a special player and he's now bringing special levels of output as well. And it's not all about output because we've seen that because we praised him when he was getting, if we got three goals, three assists, we'd be going, no, but he's still genuinely one of our most important players. And now we're looking at a bloke that's probably going to get double figures in goals and assists this season. He's special. Yeah, Mason Mount is very good at football. Not like we've been basically talking about this on the pod ever since we started doing it. But yeah, right. We go back to the good, the bad and the ugly of Marcus Alonso. Some more good. He, you know, the second goal to go 2-1 up. He plays that dink ball over the top for Rudiger, which then Rudiger then draws a foul from Rafinha. Tom, the bizarre nature of Marcus Alonso. As well, which such a notch dick and dink as well. Like, I mean, I don't even really, you know, you're just like, oh, someone might be there. I'll just, I'll just spoon it up. I don't know how he does it because he genuinely just manages to shrug off anything that happens in a game and just plays like he is the superstar. And that, that I do admire because that is almost a level of arrogance beyond what Ronaldo has. Suing after a penalty against Norwich sort of arrogance. Alonso carries that and plays with it all of the time. And that I do actually admire. He's a... He's, he's a different breed of player. As I say, I, I can't think of another footballer in the world or that I've ever seen play that, that plays with this sort of... It's shamelessness. That's what, that's what people say, isn't it? That, that, that play with that, that, um, that attitude of Marcus Alonso. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, exactly. That kind of wraps up the good section of Marcus Alonso. Uh, it was 2-1 as Jorginho calmly saw the penalty as he went into the lead. Uh, the bad section of Marcus Alonso is maybe not as obvious, but it was basically, I kind of found pretty much everything he did after that in terms of us going forward in attack. He was, you know, he is slow. He is ponderous. He doesn't release the ball took times too quickly. He just passes backwards a lot. He does kill quite a lot of our attacks. It was, yeah, Marcus Alonso, he did all right yesterday. He didn't do good. He didn't do horrendous. He was Marcus Alonso. And we kind of, yeah, we, we got away with one yesterday. It was... It was me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I just go back and say, I am completely open to um, a debate around Marcus Alonso. 
I might, I know I've been ridiculously harsh because after the penalty incident, he just boiled my blood and I was seeing the red mist and I literally was incapable of seeing anything he did to be good for the rest of the afternoon. Um, so I may have missed his good bits other than, you know, the, the assist. I'm just so, that is it. I know people will have said they reached this point earlier, but I'm done with that bloke now. If he leaves, I do not care. Thank you for the memories, but I do not care about this man anymore. So, Tom, uh, Luca Digne might have had a fallen out of Rafa Benitez. Uh, We need a a left back in January. Would you take Luca Digne from Everton? If any means, maybe Marcus can go in the summer. I I genuinely don't even know. I said I'm. I'm, I've got a lot of problems with this Chelsea team at the moment. I say a lot. I've got some problems, but I don't have many solutions. Although yesterday I have been really against the idea of bringing back Ian Martin as much as I really like him. And I think he will go on to play for Chelsea. I've been really against him coming back in January, but just yesterday, just the sort of clumsiness of Marcus Alonso. I would much rather Ian Martin plays and isn't good enough because he's too young and inexperienced and just not at the level than I would Marcus Alonso plays because and makes mistakes because he just doesn't really seem to want it or care. And I don't like using those words, not wanting it, not caring, um, not committed enough. Because I don't think we really understand sort of the efforts that go into being a professional footballer and playing. Um, but Marcus Alonso just has this special something to him. And I would much rather lose games or not win games because of Ian Martin than I would for Marcus Alonso. It'd be easier to accept. Right, let's talk. Uh, Two-all goal. Ugh, I mean, it was quite a good goal, to be fair. It was it was really nice. I mean, Christensen, yeah, can he do better? I don't know. Gilhart, he can't. He, by the way, Joe Gilhart, that's uh, that's like his first touch. I think that's his first Leeds goal, if I'm correct, something like that as well. He literally just replaced Rafinha. Tom, why is it always us? Oh, he's a superb player. I've like I can't remember. Did he come on against Liverpool earlier in the season at Ellen Road? And they probably should have got a point there. And he he's just a bundle of energy. He just seems so aggressive and so suited to to Bielsa. And I think that I think I described him as a demon because he, he's really quite small, but he's just got this package of energy that he just unleashes on teams. And I wasn't happy to see him score. And actually, when he scored, I, the first thing I said was, "Well, we've deserved that. Like it was coming. We we hadn't really deserved much more." Um, in terms of the goal, Leeds played really well through quite a decent press. I thought. Um, I think they highlighted in match of the day. Rudiger just sort of went steaming into the midfield like he does, but I don't think you can blame him. No, he just got um, attracted to the ball and just wanted to win it back. That's what it looked like for where I was. It's a little bit sidetracked here. Um, we know how short we are in midfield at the moment. Loftus-Cheek, I thought, was okay yesterday. Um, but part of the reason we're probably defensively short is because defending, you don't just defend as a back three or a back five. You have to defend as a team, and the midfield's a big part of that. And you always see the, the images where they show, usually Jorginho and Kovacic, because of how well they sort of, just know each other, how close they are on the pitch. Their movements are always right together. We don't have that with any of a partnership, really. Um, so that's why I think we're, we're getting caught out because Rudiger, and we saw it a lot yesterday, was just basically coming in to play as almost a third centre mid at times in terms of his pressing, and he was so aggressive. And that's something that I know Tuchel likes the outside centre-backs in particular to go and do, to go and press the ball really high in the midfield. But when... We don't have that type of chemistry and understanding in the midfield and Loftus-Cheek isn't a natural sort of six 
Um, it really, it's highlighted, and I think it was yesterday in the way that Leeds managed to play through us uh, in that period for the goal. But it was a really, really nice piece of play, to be fair, from Leeds. But it did look, again, far too simple. And just a goal that you would never have seen happening a couple of weeks ago, but now feels all too normal now. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, you know, we've conceded 10 goals in our last five games now. We probably hadn't even conceded that in what, however, you know, previous games before that all put together. So, yeah. It is frustrating. And yeah, as you said, you touched on Ruben. I think I'll be brutally honest. You know, I think ever since Kante got injured, he's had one good game and that was West Ham away. Every, every other game I think since then, he's think he's been poor. And it's really frustrating because before then, I actually thought, you know, he was doing really well. So I don't know, it might be due to who he plays with in midfield. We'll have to, we'll have to see. But it's, yeah, it's just, it's not easy. Also, to be fair, he's also playing a lot of games at the moment due to how, how stretched we are. So yeah, we'll just have to, to see what happens. But Tom, we do win that game. Antonio doesn't feel like Rudiger. it, does it? <laughs> Antonio Rudiger, what an FPL asset for me this week. You know, he got me nine points. Did I think they would be, did I think most likely it'd be a clean sheet? Yes, but no, two assists because Mason Mount pings a ball into him and he gets fouled in the box by Matej Klik and it gives us a penalty and a chance to win the game. Oh, I mean, just tell me, like, obviously, you know, there's a brilliant pass by Mason. He actually fizzes into him. Rudiger wins a pen and then, you know, Jorginho comes slots home. I mean, of course, Jorginho calmly slots home. There was just no doubt, is there? And actually, fair play to Jorginho, because he has mixed up his penalties since he's been in England. He started it off the hop-skip jump and rolling the ball in like nonchalantly when the keeper goes the other way in despair. Then keeper started sort of figuring him out a little bit. Then he started missing out the skip and just hopping and scoring. And now he started actually sort of not blasting the ball because he doesn't like hit it as hard as maybe like Vardy or Kane or somebody. But he is taking his penalties really differently and I think that might go unnoticed because everyone just assumes he scores basically but that that first one right into the top corner that Man United one really nice penalty and the second one today again it was more in the corner than we've seen other uh, Jorginho penalties fair play uh, I think the Chelsea account with ice in his veins yeah that, that's that's all I've got to say for that um, what did you think Nick um, about Rudiger appearing in the box in the 93rd minute at home in a league game that we were drawing to all. Well, I like it because, uh, you know, we're going for the win and we need it. And that is where Rudiger is. And it's quite funny because uh, if you remember when we were playing Juventus, when we beat him 4-0, there's, you know, obviously there's that, you know, there's a brilliant video where Reese bodies Moise Keane and he pings the ball out and uh, to ZH, whereas he had pretty into Werner. But literally if that, if you, if, you know, if it doesn't get to Werner, you know, because he gets past Rudiger, but Rudiger is the other man in the box. He is there humming a goal. Rudiger, I just really want to goal. But look, now nah, it was nice. We needed players committed up there we needed to go for it you know we needed to go win that game and yeah I actually thought you know word on Jorginho as well because there was a bit of a delay you know there was a, you know Leeds obviously were furious at the penalty being given there was a delay he didn't take it you know straight away uh but where he just composed himself you know the way because easy that's his second penalty in the game as well you know maybe as Melier had a chance to maybe figure out what he's going to do you know there's a lot it's not you know taking one penalty in the game okay fair enough but taking two in the same game and in both circumstances as well, so another credit to Georgina as well, who's been playing through the pain barrier, you know, who, you know, we don't really want to be playing at the moment, but he's got to be playing because, you know, the other options are, are Saul, uh, <laughs> you know, and that, that's not really an option we want to attend. Or Ross Barkley, who I didn't even mention played against said it, but go back to it. Ross Barkley made a rare appearance in the, against Senate earlier. That was how bizarre the game was uh, midweek. But yeah, it was, uh, oh, what a game. And I sort of completely forgot that Barkley played as well, which sort of tells you a little bit about that. No, exactly. It was that. It was a. It was a rather, you know, forgettable Ross Barkley performance midweek. But yeah, alas, we won't, you know, are back on that too much. But yeah, that was full time. Chelsea one three two, and you know there were scraps at the end. 
it's beautiful obviously you know as we mentioned as people shush and believes fans as he was subbed off uh one of my favorite moments though was obviously you know at the end of the game you know we've got the ball we're in the corner we're wasting time we know it's you know kai knew what he was doing you know just go in the corner waste time uh uh, 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 uh you know full-time whistle goes you know a fight breaks out and what i love is antonio rudiger he runs there he is the first one in there's a scrap rudiger is very much the modern day diego costa there's a fight i want to be involved um just told just how nice it to see you know you know antonio rudiger just pelt it you know down 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 there to get involved in a brawl i love him i absolutely love that man and honestly i don't think i've been more wrong i was obviously one of the hundreds of chelsea fans if not more that want that wouldn't have cared basically if Rudiger went to Spurs a year ago. Um, still a year ago today, Rudiger was not an important player for Chelsea. He wasn't. Um, his his I, I don't want to say st- I can't add anything new on Rudiger, but he's just brilliant. Everything about his character is I love it. I really do. Um, he's funny and he can back it up because he is honestly brilliant. He feels so important to this Chelsea side in more ways than just the fact that he is quite a good defender. Um, he's got some, so many more qualities um, that, he, that he brings. And I was just going to speak on that, actually. Havertz holding the ball in the corner, squaring up to, um, to Firpo. I don't think this Chelsea team has a soft centre to it, um, which is quite nice because I know we've seen a few and have been build sort of as a bit bit of a pushover a bit of a rollover in recent years but Reese James Mason Mount loves to give stuff back Kovacic is a feisty one when you ask him to be um Aspilicueta is obviously sort of the the shirt tucked in good looking sort of nice guy but he's not soft you know there are no I don't think there are soft guys in this Chelsea team people all point to Christensen yeah okay that, that that's that's his nature but there are feisty players in there Jorginho loves to snap into a tackle. He loves to get up underneath people's grills. Um, I like the attitude of this Chelsea team. And I tweeted yesterday after full time that basically the only positive is that Chelsea have come from behind in this game to win and have shown good grit and response to adversity, which we have, again, not seen Chelsea do before. Um, and, And I like that. Winning ugly is winning ugly. And... It's often about smaller things beneath the three points. And the fact that Chelsea are showing that they can get through it without still playing sort of a consistent 90 minutes of football, like that there aren't too many games where you think this season that Chelsea have been playing really, really well. But they're getting through it. And I like that a lot about this team. They're, I don't think there's a weak link in terms of not, not sticking up for each other. Yeah, no, I think very well said. And yeah, I think, you know, that's obviously not the only reason, but I think that'd be also a crucial reason why we need someone like Antonio Rudiger to stay because he is such a character. And this team, I think Tuchel said yesterday, was like, Rudy would not accept us not winning that game. He was, you know, that's why he was kind of involved. That's why he was, you know, there to try and try and get us that win. And yeah, it was, it was really big. That felt like a really big win in the season. Like, honestly, like, I'll be brutal. That Jorginho penalty felt like that kept us in the title race. It seems like, maybe like ridiculously hyperbolic to say this in December when we might only have been four points behind City, but that'd be four points behind City where we were when we were top, you know, two weekends ago. So that just shows kind of, I guess, how much has been a bit of a struggle in recent weeks. Chelsea and City are putting a bit of a run together. I think they've won their last five or so in a row now, so they are maybe even more. So they are in good form. So that felt a really big, big goal, big win to keep us in contention. 
we are going to go to listener questions and i know you know i don't want to you know be beat him too much more uh but anna did ask what have you made of marcus alonso's performances over the past few weeks i know we just talked about marcus alonso sort of on this game tom look since marcus alonso has come into the team we haven't kept a clean sheet and by the way this isn't me just to clarify this isn't me point putting this all in marcus alonso these are basically just me saying what's happened since Marks, since Ben Shaw's been out, we haven't kept a clean sheet. We've conceded 10 goals in five games. Our attack on our left side hasn't looked amazing. We've looked a bit stodgy. We've not looked amazing. Basically, Tom, my question is, and, you know, for anyone who, you know, I realise I'm probably just going to alienate about, you know, quite a large percentage of our audience who don't like cricket. But my simple question is, is Ben Shilwell the Joe Root of this Chelsea team? Well, if he's not, he's not far behind it. Should we say that? Um, he's... It's like the, the, the old messages that you are better when you're not playing. But in this sense, I think it's just more and more appreciation for not just Chilwell, but Kovacic, who is, I, I think I always come on here and basically say how much I like Kovacic because I've liked him for a long time. And I'll talk about Jay here because Jay has always said, what does Kovacic do? What does he do? And I've always sort of said, he doesn't really need to do anything. Just let him do what he does. Because they are the only real words you can use to describe Kovacic because when he doesn't do certain things, and I will bring this back to Chilwell, but Chelsea, people were saying they aren't this, they aren't that. Can they do it? Can they sustain it for a longer period of time? Chelsea now look so much stronger earlier in the season than they do now. And there are key reasons and Kovacic and Chilwell are two of them. And Ben Chilwell on the left side, it's... He brings balance. He brings better technicality, better energy, better tactical understanding, um, better pretty much everything. I can't. I genuinely, other than free kicks, I don't think there's an area that Marcus Alonso is better than Chilwell at ball striking. I think Chilwell's probably just as good, just as confident in the box that Chilwell's going to score as I am Alonso. He is all round a better player, and he just gets on better. He's more predictable for the Chelsea players in terms of where he's going to be when he's on the ball, where he's off the ball, where he's going to move to. And it's those sort of understandings that you that you can't just you can't buy. You know, you, you couldn't just pick up Ashley Cole, dump him at left wing back and then expect him to be brilliant. I'm sure it'd be good, but he probably wouldn't be as good as Ben Chilwell was playing in the weeks before he got injured. Just because of that understanding of how players move, that is just as important as, as any sort of individual quality. And I'll let you talk about why Ben Chilwell is Joe Root, but he is, he is that important. He's really, really key. You know, people talk about Robertson and Alexander-Arnold. You talk about them in tandem because they're just as important for each other, even though they're on opposite sides of the pitch. And James and Chilwell are the same, especially with the way they were coming in field. I mean, Reese James yesterday, hardly saw him on the right wing back position. He was playing right centre mid. He played on the left. He was popping up everywhere. And Chilwell does the same thing. And then we flood the middle and then we allow our wingers, because we do have natural wingers in Hudson-Odoi in this team, to use, use the wings. When you take out somebody like Ben Chilwell, who was playing in the form of his life, like Joe Root is, I suppose, um, you lose a really, really, really key part of your team that you can't just put any, any old person in, it, uh, in their position to make up for it. Yeah, to, uh, to quote, you know, Coldplay, when you lose some, when you lose something you can't replace, when you love someone but it goes to waste, could it be worse? It couldn't. Chris Martin, I feel you. Exactly, exactly. No, it's tough. It's tough losing 
chilly. Uh, he was in such good form, man. We were looking so good. Just take me back. Take me back to that night against Juventus when we absolutely smacked them 4-0 when we just put a statement out there to basically everyone watching us that, wow, we are, we mean business. We really are looking really good. Um, but yeah, look, Alonso, he's not been amazing in recent weeks. He's not been, as I said, I don't think he's necessarily been horrendous. He's just not good or as good as Chilwell. And I said, I will also caveat as well. I think when you go from watching Ben Chilwell every week to watching Marcus Alonso every week, it is going to make it look worse. It's not like it's kind of been rotated. We've gone from seeing Ben Chilwell, like excellent, like, you know, basically nine, 10 out of 10 performances every week to Marcus Alonso dropping maybe a six out of 10 and then maybe, maybe, maybe the odd, maybe a seven out of 10 and then going back to like a five out of 10. It's, it's, it's just not a, it's not easy to watch. It's quite frustrating. Um, it makes it tough. And look, obviously I'm, I may be comparison to Joe Root, obviously Joe Root, England test cricketer, England's best batsman, England's captain, obviously I know Chile, Chile isn't captain, but in the form of his life, he's basically the only England batsman alongside Ben Stokes, who by the way, Ben Stokes is Mason Mount. Um, but uh, yeah, Ben, you know, the only England batsman I have confidence in. Um, so yeah, it, it's quite tough. And that is why, why, you know, Ben Chilwell is our, is our Joe Root, because if he doesn't play, then uh, I fear for us. But thankfully Joe Root is okay. So, you know, we might only lose the Ashes 4-0 instead of 5-0. We'll have to see. Um, but yeah, enough Ashes talk. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was tough. Alonso. Sorry. Um, as well, if Chelsea do slip up in, continue to slip up in December and fall off, it won't be because of Marcus Alonso on his own. It won't. No, it won't. Because Marcus Alonso's penalty incident didn't happen in a vacuum. The ball got there somehow. Exactly. The ball got there and we didn't clear it and we didn't defend it particularly well. It doesn't, things don't just happen in a vacuum. Chelsea are, the other 10 players on the pitch are able to cover for Marcus Alonso because that happens. That can happen. And the only reason it isn't right now is probably because Chelsea aren't playing as fluidly as they would have liked. When Chelsea play well, Marcus Alonso plays well. But it feels like Ben Chilwell can, can help push a Chelsea performance from nowhere. He can take a game by the scruff of the neck at the moment. And Marcus Alonso will only do that if his team are playing well with him. So you can scapegoat him all you want. It won't be his fault, but it will be a struggle for Chelsea to get through without Chilwell. Yeah, no, no, look, exactly. And as I said, you know, say what you want, but no, Marcus Alonso isn't really responsible for their Leeds' second goal. You know, I'm not even sure he's on the pitch at this point. So, you know, we can talk about it all we, we want. Look, Marcus, look. I know, I've been a big defender of Marcus Alonso. You know, it might not seem like it, but we're talking about him today. But, you know, I've been, you know, a big defender of Marcus Alonso. Obviously, I'm aware of his, you know, because I don't think he is this, this horrendous player, but a lot of people on Chelsea Twitter do. It's just he's limited. And I think after a while, and it's been five years of watching him, the limitations, it's slowly starting to get frustrating. And, you know, I can talk about all oh, those banging goals against Arsenal and Spurs, you know, the stuff of cult heroes. And he's a Chelsea cult hero, let's be clear. He's a cult hero. But it's becoming one of those where I'm like, I'm getting a bit tired now of watching the guy every week be hella inconsistent, not being up to Ben Chilwell's level. It is frustrating. But yeah, we'll leave, we'll leave that on Marcus there. It's, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, next question comes in from Connard. Does it really matter that our performances have dipped since we're still grinding out results like this in between? For me, yes, it does matter that our performances have dipped. But before I go that, I'll get Tom's thoughts on it. You see, you see my, my initial reaction there is to say no. Um... Because at the end of the day, you can win a league title playing it, playing, you know, not playing well, because we've seen that. Because arguably Chelsea haven't strung together 
maybe more than two 90-minute appearance uh, games. Obviously, you can't play well for 90 minutes, but there aren't that many standout performances. There are standout matches, standout halves, standout spells, but not ones where you think, wow, that was utterly dominant. There's a few. Let's get that right. There's a few. But 15 games into a Premier League season, you'd perhaps have thought there'd be more. Just getting through December will put Chelsea at ease, I think. If they can get through December and still be in the hunt, like you said, I, I completely agreed with what you said, Nick, about it felt big for the title race because if that gap just gets a little bit bigger, it can just deflate everyone. And then you look at the last couple of seasons, you start thinking, well, that those guys aren't dropping points. They're looking good. We're not. It's the opposite right now. We started the season and looked much better than I think both City and Liverpool. Right now, we look worse. It happens. That happens in seasons. I would like to see Chelsea play better. And admittedly, I wish there was more that we could take out of victories like yesterday. But I don't think there is. Um, it's just, it makes confidence going into Everton and Wolves, tricky games where we always slip up anyway. It makes it hard to be confident going into the next game um, if it's just the result coming and not the performance. But that being said, I would much rather Chelsea won yesterday than played well and didn't win because this team look void of confidence and it looks like it's quite easily shattered at the moment with the injuries and the makeup of the team. So getting results is the, is the easiest way to build confidence. Chelsea need to make themselves feel invincible no matter how bad they're playing. And hopefully they can do that at the moment. Yeah. Now, look, as I say, it's important you win games of football. We need to obviously be winning these games in Tyrus. And I'm kind of willing, you know, to let these like, performances go, you know, bye-bye. Because, you know, I do think, obviously, when we get players back, we will look like a different team. But my issue is, is if people go like, but Watford win, the way we won that, the way we won the Leeds game is what champions do. No. Because champions don't lose and don't struggle that badly against a depleted Watford side and a depleted Leeds side. That was a lead side without Calvin Phillips, who's, who's a brilliant midfielder, without Patrick Bamford, without Rodrigo, without their captain, Liam Cooper, without Pascal Strike. You know, when we beat Leeds, that was about Ishmael Assar, about a lot of other players. And I obviously, I know Watford, we were rotated as well. But my, my issue is, like, I, I, I couldn't, you know, there can be performances of champions and signs of performances of champions. But when you're scraping past teams in about, you know, what, 15th and below, that's not performances of champions. It's not. I struggled. I do struggle to kind of buy into that, into that narrative. But it is, yeah, we, we're still in the mix, which is, I guess, the biggest positive thing. Also, you know, there are obviously we know there are reasons why the performances have dipped, as we mentioned, injuries and other reasons as well. So, like, it, it's understandable. Like, we can kind of explain what's going on a bit. It's frustrating. We'd like it to change. But we can kind of explain it. So. It, it, and I guess it depends how you view football. Like we're still winning, as long as we're winning games, I guess it doesn't really matter how it comes. But as we've kind of seen, you know, for long periods of time this season, we were outperforming, you know, and again, it depends how much you're in, just we were outperforming our expected goals against metric. And now all of a sudden we, that's come crashing back down to earth and we're conceding goals as they were conceded 10 in our last five. You know, it, it is a question of how sustainable, I guess it is, as we've seen, you know, Drew with Zenit midweek, lost at West Ham. And then we've here, we've, we've gotten away, we, we've managed to get one in the last minute against Leeds. So it is kind of just, you know, as we've shown, inconsistent. So it's been interesting to see how that um, carries on. As uh, much as yeah. that is being said as well, 
like I can't remember Leeds and West Ham like hammering down on our goal. No. So so like yes, we we weren't good and we really weren't. And in fact, Watford had and also Zenit, like Zenit were crashing down on the goal. Kepper had to be really good. But Watford created much more chances than I think both Leeds and West Ham really. But it's just the way that we concede sloppy goals now that we didn't. So if you, I look back to the Brentford game and think that was a performance of champions the last sort of 20 minutes to get through that when we'd actually played pretty well for 70 minutes. That's a champions performance. I agree with you. Scraping through two games against two teams we should have beaten, let alone with their own injury problems, which are probably worse than ours, really. Um, not champions, but still nevertheless important. The one good thing is that, as I say, it's not like we're conceding loads of chances. We just don't look comfortable or controlling or dominant. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That is, yeah, exactly. We basically seem to have just lost control. And it does almost feel like, you know, unfortunately, it just seems to almost feel like an inevitability, but we will concede a goal at some point where it hasn't happened, you know, in recent weeks. You know, Jam, I guess, similar question. How worried are you guys about our recent performances? And also, I know kind of similar question to that. But, Tommy, you like, are you that worried or are you sort of just like, you know, it seems really like weird. I guess things like it is December, and like whatever you like, you know, you want to say like it shouldn't. It seems a really weird reasoning, but we've seen this happen so many times. It feels like we've. It's almost like acceptance that this will just happen, and we've just got to like try and ride it, and you know, basically just to get get out of it the best we can. I'm not worried. I'm just not confident. You just don't know what sort of Chelsea are going to turn up. Um, you know, you, you can get the Chelsea that looked really good for 15 minutes yesterday or looked pretty good against Zenit for 15 minutes or the team that actually played fairly well for 45 minutes against West Ham in bits. You, you don't, or the team that, that, that started to dominate Manchester United for the first 20 minutes, half an hour. You don't know what Chelsea you're going to get at the moment. And that is slightly worrying because the one thing about Tuchel was it was almost going back to boring, boring Chelsea times. You knew just what you were going to get. And it might not be the most fun, but it was going to be dominant and it was going to be a juggernaut. And Chelsea fans enjoyed that. That's that's how Chelsea win leagues, by steamrolling teams. We don't play fan, particularly fancy football. We just outdo opponents uh, in other ways. And the fact that Chelsea have sort of gone away from that uh, in the past couple of weeks, down to, again, whatever reason, is worrying. But the most worrying thing for me isn't the performances. It's the fact that we can no longer really say, well, we'll go into Everton and we'll take this away and we'll do that. Because you you just don't know what Chelsea are going to do next week against Everton. It could be catastrophic at the back. It could be incredibly free-flowing at the front. You just don't know. And I don't like that uncertainty because it's something that we've been so certain of this season for Chelsea, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, we want to we want to feel safe watching Chelsea, you know. We want to feel safe. We want, we watch England in the cricket. We don't feel that sense of safety. We just feel that sense of panic. And Chelsea is that safety. It makes us feel safe. We want to feel, we want to have that feeling back in our lives. So yeah, it is, it's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, next question comes in from Christopher. How on earth have we transitioned from one of the most solid defences in Europe to conceding uh, nine goals and three goals? I think that should be eight in three or whatever, but 10 and five anyway. And no clean sheet in five games. How do we look to solve it? Tom, is See, it? I, I don't know. So, it's not easy. Um, I think a lot of it is probably down to the midfield, though. I think Jorginho and Kovacic and 
not necessarily their midfield stats, their tackles and interceptions, but the organisation of a team, I think that has a lot to do with it. As I said, I've mentioned before, players' movements, James, Chilwell, sort of grooved movements. They know, players know where they're going to be on the pitch. In the positional play that Tuchel loves is so important. And when you lose a couple of players and you have to bring in people like Loftus-Cheek, who hasn't played this system as much as anybody else, he hasn't got the, the match fitness of everybody else as well. And as you mentioned earlier, rightly, hasn't played loads of football in a consecutive period like this for a long time. Um, I don't just want to say injuries, but it does feel like that that's the only thing that has really changed in Chelsea because we've got a fairly similar defence, albeit a few contract things going on. I'm not reading too much into that as to why players are or aren't playing well. Like I would much, I think Christensen's performance midweek was much rather down to the fact that he was playing next to Malangsar and Azpilicueta, who hadn't kicked the ball for a while, and Saul and Hudson-Odoi, rather than a, him not signing his contract, putting him off. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. But as you said as well, I think our expected goals against was uh, going to have to come back and bite us at some point. Perhaps not like this. But confidence, injuries, busy schedule, um, rotation in the team all the time. The fact that the Premier League is really hard and really tough and there's some good teams. And without wanting to sound too much like a manager, every team can hurt you. It's, it's it's not easy for Chelsea and they have to get through it and then it will come back. Yeah. Trevor Taylor has also been injured for a while and it's uh, all gone to crap since he's left. Um, yeah, he that'll doing, do. He was, you know, we love Trevor on here. He was doing very well on that right side of our birth. He kind of made that sport his own as well. So who knows? Maybe he's part to playing it. I don't know. It's tough. I do think injuries are affecting this team a lot. As we said, the depth, we talk about depth. I think this step isn't like amazing. It's not amazing, but it's not also horrendous. But the issue is when they all have to play together at once. If one or two of them fill in, yeah, you can maybe get away with it. When you've got like several of them coming in, that's when the issue arises because they're not played together, and you don't want all of them playing together at the same time. That's exactly so. what I said midweek. A lot of people said, "Ah, that we don't actually have depth." No, we do. We have depth to rotate one or two players. We have depth to go which three out of Werner, Lukaku, Havertz, Ziyech, Hudson, Odoi, Mount. Pulisic are we going to play that that's depth depth isn't making eight changes in the Champions League game midweek in Russia and being able to play like prime Barcelona that's not depth yeah no exactly exactly uh next question comes in from Dwayne and this is an interesting one I actually really love this question after a 3-1 win with Leeds last season with Lampard we seemed to use a lot of energy and went downhill afterwards has the same happened to us since after the Juventus game only difference they seem to want this manager to stay or no uh I do like that comparison, Tom, because obviously, you know, arguably Leeds last season was the high point under Frank of that season. We went temporarily top. I think we, we were the first side in the league that season to actually outrun Leeds. We played really well. Um, we should have scored more goals. We were really good. Life felt really good. And then the decline, you know, happened after that. And I guess similar, Juventus feels like the peak of this season. That feels like obviously there have been some really good forms. That felt a night where everything was perfect. Obviously, we had the three convoys on the, like, the score sheet. It was just a really, really nice night. I felt like everything was good at Chelsea. And obviously since then, but the performances have been mixed. There's been some scrappy wins, you know, some conceding goals, making errors. It kind of felt like, you know, be that, you know, that, you know, unbeaten, that really good form we won has sort of come to an end, almost like I did with Frank. Um, so 
do you create like obviously your like opinions on the parallel and obviously you know the difference in obviously Tommy Tuchel compared to Frank but obviously Tuchel you know seems to have you know a better relationship with with his squad compared to Frank yeah I, I really like that comparison actually I mean if you look back at the December period we've got now and what we had last year it's actually frighteningly similar you know with Everton, Leeds, West Ham, Wolves um there's probably more is that Villa later in the month I don't know yeah exactly um, obviously not all these are like the corresponding fixtures like last year some are home some are away but yeah we do get the get the idea yeah it, it is actually frightening um how similar it is and the the memories of of last December horrible horrible memories um oh it's a it's a hard question because did, did Lampard actually he went out and said a couple of weeks ago that the Leeds game took it out of us didn't he um which was interesting because you don't often hear managers say that and I might be wrong, but I'm fairly sure he said something of the sort. I don't think Tuchel would be saying the same thing exactly. Um, oh, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I tell you, I'm really stumped on that one. It's quite hard. I think there are obvious differences. Um, Chelsea are. There's, I think there is much more of an identity to Chelsea at the moment. We are much more. I, I, having just said, I'm not confident going into games at the moment with what Chelsea might produce. In general, Chelsea are more confident and exude more as a club than they did this time last year, even though they're not top right now. I don't see it changing the way it did last time, um, simply because I think what happened at Lampard was born out of some more long-lasting resentment, sort of came out in a, in a, in a tricky period and some mismanagement I don't think Tuchel's got that number one because he hasn't actually got the fit players to mismanage them and number two because this bloke is proven and I think popular within with it within the players um so Chelsea could well slip up to Wolves and Everton and I don't think things would go the same way in the same uh time span as they did under Lampard if that answers the question at all <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Look, obviously, I do think you know the camp parallels is December. Remember, remember, we're not very good in December. Uh, polite version of what I want to say. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's is an interesting one, really. That yeah, that ultimately we start the season, you know, fairly well, and yeah, we are sort of slipping up a bit. But it is, yeah, I say I do think it's different. Obviously, Tuchel has, I think, you know, managed his squad better than Frank. Frank basically had his maybe had 14, 15 players he liked. Tuchel obviously does have a lot more. He trusts them a lot more. He does give opportunities to more. So it's, you know, hence why it is always very hard to actually predict Thomas Tuchel starting 11 because you don't know what it could be. Um, but yeah, it's, I do like that question, though. It is interesting. I don't think it will obviously, you know, go the same way. Um, obviously, I do think that, that Tuchel is a more experienced manager. The fact that he, he manages this squad, I think, better than Frank was able to. That's just because Frank was earning the job. You know, he didn't have necessarily that experience. It might also have been, you know, fact that, managers he he played under as well you know someone like Mourinho didn't particularly always like having the biggest squad he always sort of had his core players as well so maybe it was also something he kind of kind of learned having as a manager you know playing under managers as well but obviously I think Tuchel has managed his squad very well and I think you know you still see obviously you know these players obviously you know I don't think we're gonna have an issue of these players you know not wanting to play for Tuchel but as it is quite interesting I think that Tuchel said midweek you know said some comments in midweek but I think you know a lot of previous managers have Chelsea have picked up on you know about, about some of these players which will be interesting. It's just a question of if these players this time can can respond to it, given what Thomas Tuchel is and what he's helped them achieve. And hopefully they realise, you know, and hopefully they're able to go, yeah, okay, 
maybe this is fair. We we know this, and we actually now need to to step up because he is actually really good, and he can help us achieve um, some brilliant things. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think December you get through December, and then maybe you know get the injuries back. I honestly, think if as soon as we get Kovacic and Kante back, things will look very different for Chelsea, and things will look a lot lot healthier. One hundred percent. And I mean, you say that we've got a tough January: Liverpool early on, Man City later in the month. And that's the important thing, I think, as you say, going into January, the start of January, can we be there or thereabouts, please? I'm not talking B-top. We don't, have, we don't even have to gain points on these guys. But Chelsea's season undoubtedly gets easier after the, after the 16th of January when we play Man City um, away. Because then we don't have to play either of those two again for the last four months of the season. That is then our chance to put together the big run. Whether we scrap, come through this uh, period kicking and screaming and burning with fatigue, whatever we do, Club World Cup, Champions League competitions, it will pile up. It will be difficult. But just being there or thereabouts is the most important thing, I think, because we're not going to see 100 point seasons this year. I don't think think we'll see it. Um, We've already seen other teams slip up. And obviously, as fans of Chelsea, we pay more attention to Chelsea, obviously. I don't think we will see the little issues going on at Liverpool. I don't know what, I don't know how good they've particularly been in the last couple of weeks, but a penalty to beat Aston Villa yesterday and a last-minute goal from Origi to beat Wolves the week before. It's not exactly a team that are firing in five, six, seven to hammer teams. Like, I don't think we should fool ourselves into thinking that Liverpool and Man City are playing some of the most amazing football ever and they look completely invincible because they don't look completely invincible. I mean, we they saw look... slip up midweek to Leipzig, albeit, you know, it's a, they were already qualified. But, you know, we've seen, particularly in Europe for them, they've looked a bit shaky this year. I'm not, I think, you know, obviously I know it's different competitions. I don't think they've actually kept a clean sheet in their Champions League campaign this year yet. I think they conceded in all their games. Um, they have obviously slipped up a couple of times in the league. They look really good. But I say, I don't think, it feels like, you know, compared to, these City and Liverpool sides don't feel the same level they were a couple of years ago, which I think they, is why we've got a chance. They they are looking now a lot more like Chelsea were looking at the start of the season, just sort of rolling out wins and getting through it. And the difference is they are just doing it in a little bit more style than Chelsea are right now. They're doing it with clean sheets and one nils rather than three twos and two ones. And there's something to be said about that, obviously. But I don't think Chelsea fans need to be worried that we are playing a different that we're just uh, so far behind these teams that it's out of the question that we can sort of stay with them and catch up with them at some point. Cause I don't. Yeah, no, exactly. We say, I say, I think the main thing is obviously we've got Liverpool at the beginning of January, men's city, I think, you know, is our next game. So obviously there's an FA cup tie against Chesterfield sandwiched in between there was nice. Well, obviously we do Chesterfield in the FA cup. Uh, that was very nice. You know, a chance to hopefully see a lot of the Academy boys playing some, hopefully some more first team debuts for that. But yeah, obviously, I think you know the main thing is we're two points behind City and the sorry, we're two points. Yeah, we're two points behind the, uh, the leaders now. I think the main thing is before we get into that Liverpool game in January, but the gap isn't any bigger than that. I don't think that we want to be in that stage where we have to win to stay, you know, in the title race. Be but if we're still two points behind, then I suppose we can go. Well, if we go to if we draw with Liverpool and City, obviously not the most amazing mental self because we do want to try and win those games. But at the same time, if we draw them, then we you know nothing's really changed. We're yeah. still in the picture. We're still there. You know, obviously we'll be about Mendy for maybe one of those games. Um, but yeah, you know, we just got to try and hang in there, really. Because as we've seen, if we can just hang in there, then we can maybe, you know, put a late surge on because this team is capable of of going on a run. 
Uh, next question comes in from Dan Hill. There seems to be a worrying trend developing wherein Chelsea give up cheap goals. In particular against Leeds, the defensive structure looks suspect. Is it case personnel, Gante coaches, etc.? Things not quite being right. Or have opposition managers figured us out now? No, I, I think it's I think it's injuries. I don't. I think if it was, if opposition managers have figured us out, then Mendy would have to be a lot more active than he is because all he's doing at the moment is picking the ball out the net. And I think that is probably because, unfortunately, due to some look as we mentioned, making more individuals than we were previously, thus giving up greater opportunities on our goal for them to score. We're not giving them, you know, half chance. We're giving them probably like higher percentage. I mean, I don't know exactly how actually works, but I think we're probably giving them more higher xG you know, chances on our goal, which are probably reflecting in them scoring more goals. I mean, obviously, look, we've conceded, you know, a penalty in this game, a penalty in the previous game against West Ham. You know, we are giving them, you know, perhaps maybe not a, a, a really large volume of chances, but the chances we give them are a lot good, are really good chances, which is basically hurting us. Yeah, I think I think that that, that is exactly right. You know, there hasn't, we've got Masawaku scoring across, basically. We've got, the Zenit bloke scoring a worldie in the last minute. Um, you know, as you say, you've got you've got two penalties. Um, it's not like Chelsea. We we haven't conceded. Oh, it's, it's 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 a strange one. The defensive organisation doesn't look right, and it doesn't feel confident at the moment. Like you said, it feels now like Chelsea are actually going to concede goals, which is weird because there was this inevitable in impenetrability about Chelsea for the past. Last eight months, basically, where teams just don't score against us. As we've already mentioned, it was coming. You can't keep this up forever. The way it sort of crashed down to earth is a little bit worrying. Um, but I think personal personal is a big thing. I think it is. Um, it has to be. Look at Liverpool last season. They lost Van Dijk. Things went sour. Then they lost Joe Gomez. Things went sour. Two of their big centre backs. It's it's not easy to rotate in positions and have things to just work all the time. Um, there doesn't seem to be anything structurally wrong. I don't think we're seeing players sprinting out of the ball and getting out of position. I think perhaps we're being a little bit slower to close things down. Um, Reese James on Masuaku, for example. Um, Reese James has been given more freedom on the right side, and it's obviously helping, but I do think it is inhibiting us going the other way when you haven't got the seek and destroy of Kante or Kovacic in the team. Um, that might be, I say, being found out, being exploited, because it is a, it's a flaw in the Chelsea system that we can't really do much about with the current personnel out injured. Yeah, and as you said, you mentioned, you know, teams have you know figured out how to you know manage Marcus Alonso, you know, stick a man on him, etc. We know what it's, it's you know, teams, it's it's not exactly that hard. You know, you play someone like him, who does sometimes have his limitations. You know, you've got play, you know. People can work us out. It's not necessarily a case that we've been figured out because we're still, you know, we still get results. We still look, you know, at really points really dangerous. It's just a question of, you know, if we're not, you know, at our best, if we're not got necessarily our first choice players playing and we play players who have got more, you know, limitations, then it's easier to focus on those. And that's just the nature of the squad we've got at the moment. We don't have, you know, we don't have that amazing, brilliant backup to venture. Well, we've got a decent one in Alonso. But we've got someone who you don't want to be playing every week because, as I say, he's a backup. At this point, he's a backup. So if he plays every week, then he's not going to be performing at that high level. And you said you mentioned Liverpool last year. I think, look, Liverpool went on a horrendous run last year. Don't know exactly, but they had that brilliant record at Anfield and they lost however many games in a row there. Couldn't score. Salah went on a horrendous run, not scoring goals. 
Um, and they just looked such an ordinary side. And at one point you thought they weren't even going to get top four. You know, we obviously, I don't think we will reach that stage or we, you know, I don't think we look like reaching that stage yet purely because I still think we've got a goal in us. It was, you know, we, we do have a goal in us. It's actually just, you know, defensively, we just don't, we switch off. We just don't quite seem to have that confidence at the moment, but we are sort of scraping by. But yeah, it's, it is, it is obviously worrying the amount of goals we are conceding in recent weeks. It is worrying how, you know, it does feel we could just get picked apart at any moment. And it does also feel, you know, slightly worrying that, you know, teams with quality are punishing us, you know, what West Ham punished us. Leeds, we got away with it because we got a penalty at the end, but they would have punished us yesterday if we'd not, you know, teams are, even Zenit, are punishing us. It is just frustrating at the moment, but, you know, we just got to try and get through through to the other side. Uh, and the final question comes in from Sham, who goes, if it were up to you guys, how much you would you be willing to pay Antonio Rudiger? And does he make your list of top three important players at Chelsea under Tuchel? Well, his his wages are going up by the week. Um, who, again, I think it was one of the straight out Coppin guys that tweeted that the last couple of weeks have been a really, really good ad, uh, advert for, for Rudiger's agent, basically. Um, with Chelsea's defensive struggles and his commitment um to the club in terms of what he's doing on the pitch he's looking better and better every week more and more important every week is he in the top three important players at Chelsea 100% I think he is um I don't want to there are a lot of other players to fill the two spots but right now Chelsea with and without Rudiger look a different animal I mean Chelsea conceded two goals with him um they conceded three without him on um against Zenit but Without Rudiger, Chelsea don't win that game. It's exactly what Tuchel said. You know, he was there to win two penalties. He was there to defend his teammates. You see the way he celebrated that Jorginho penalty. The bloke is an absolute nutcase and it's brilliant. How much would I be willing to pay him? I don't know, but it, it, it's, it's going up. Um, I never wanted to lose him. Obviously, I don't think many people did. But I have, have been sort of of the position that I also am not willing to go and break a wage structure for him. But it is starting to get to the point where I'm getting closer to just saying, you know what, just blank check it. You know, I'm not saying £400,000, £300,000. This bloke deserves to be on £200,000 a week. And it would surprise me if Chelsea didn't have any leeway with him a little bit because he's 28. And right now they have seen players like John Terry, Gary Cahill, Branislav Ivanovic, Cesar Azpilicueta, Thiago Silva all play well into their 30s and play well. So I know they don't like this 30-plus rule that they have, but it seems quite silly right now not to be doing more to keep Rudiger, not to be more committed to the player, because Rudiger is doing everything he can to play for Chelsea well. He is playing 100% to win at Chelsea. He loves it. And... The club, I think, need to almost show a bit more commitment to Rudiger right now. Um, because as much as people will say this is the only decent 10 months he's had at Chelsea, yeah, you could say that, but you could also say this is now the normal for him. This is now his standards. Um, he's never had a 10-month period where he's looked this good or bad either way before. Maybe we just accept that this is Antonio Rudiger. And if you were to go and buy an Antonio Rudiger, this is what you'd be paying him. I think Chelsea need to stomach it right now. And if Rudiger wants, if £200,000 a week will do it, £200,000 it is for me right now. And that that's going up and up and up. Ch I, 
I don't think Chelsea can afford to lose him. I don't. Um, Koundé isn't the Rudiger replacement. He plays the other side. I mean, it, I don't know the maths behind this, but paying Rudiger £200,000 a year for another two years makes more sense to me in terms of stability, not necessarily long-term, but stability, than paying £80 million for Koundé, who hasn't played in the Premier League, would likely take at least two years before he was anywhere close to Rudiger's current level. We, we can't bring anyone in of Rudiger's current level right now. There's no one out there to bring in for half-decent money. Pay him. Pay up. He deserves it. This isn't a time to be stingy. Pay up. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, look, on that, look, I say, I think Rudiger's like, I think, look, I'll be brilliant. I think Silver is still the best of a back three. I think he is like, he's shown like the levels like we want them to be like against West Ham. Like I thought Rudiger was a bit, was a bit if he had a few, you know, old Rudiger moments and Silver was class. Uh, Silver again, I thought was pretty good yesterday. Um, look, I think Silver has kind of like shown the level that like Rudiger and Christensen, who have had like obviously these contract issues, should need to try and be at really to get to get that big contract. But at the same time, like it's gonna sound, and I know there'll be people on Twitter, and I know there's people who don't really get like intangibles who kind of like play them down. But I think we can't lose a character like him. Like, admittedly, I'm not necessarily convinced he is the guy you want when things aren't going amazing. I'm because I'm not sure he is that guy to pick everyone up. But I think when things are going good, he is someone you need in that team. He is someone obviously defending, you know, just talking about his football, who is more than good enough for us at the moment, who has been in the form of his career for us right now. Uh, you know, I actually think, you know, under Conte, he was, he was, he was fairly good in the back three. You know, obviously he had some shaky moments, but he was fairly good. You know, sorry, he was, was all right. Not amazing. And Frank, you know, he was coming back from injury and he wasn't, he struggled a bit. Um, but, but I think pretty much every defender struggled under Frank. That's being brutally honest. Um, but we look at Rudiger now, the version we've got of him, we've got a quality version. I don't really see who we can replace him with in Europe. I don't. You know, I know people will go, oh, there's Levy Colwell, who's doing really well at Huddersfield. Look, I'm not going to say, and look, I'm going to be honest, I've not really seen much of him, so I'm not going to comment. And I know it's easy to say, well, look at look what happened with Fick, look what happened with Mason. They may have a championship loan, and they stepped up to the Premier League, and they were good. But the difference is, though, we're at a, we're at a place now where we're, we're, at, we're competing for us, as we're at a higher level, and we're not, you know, we're not at that place where we can make, we can really sort of be, you know, Mason and Fick, you know, play all your games, make your mistakes, get them out of the way. We're not at that stage now. We're about that point where we're going for the league. We're going for all these cups and the, the, the margin fairer for someone like maybe Levy Cole isn't there right now. You know, hopefully he'll get his chances because we've seen, we have seen Trev get his chances this year and he's not really put a foot wrong. He's passed, you know, but he's been more experienced. He's had his different loans. You know, he's, he feels like he's, you know, it feels like the right time for him. It feels like we've got him in at the right time. Cole's like, 18, isn't he? He's 18. Yeah, exactly. It feels but, very early. When was the last time an 18-year-old centre-back came into world football and joined a title-chasing team? Exactly. That doesn't, doesn't happen. It, Colwell would be fine, I'm sure. He'd, it'd, be, it'd be good and it would be amazing. But it would take him far more than two years' worth of Premier League experience before he offers, number one, the levels of Rudiger, who is 10 years older than him, and number two, as you say, the intangibles, which are absolutely huge. Like Rudiger's a massive personality in that in that um, changing room, and so is Jorginho because there's there's a parallel with him and Billy Gilmore, like you said. If Rudiger leaves at the end of this year, and I don't think Tuchel would want Rudiger to leave. By the way, if you want to back Tuchel, the biggest way to do that is sign Rudiger up if you can, because Tuchel's going to stick with this three back. It looks um, 
I don't think he wants to change. Why would he? Um, Rudiger is almost irreplaceable on that left side. You have to back your manager in this, I think. Um, yeah, going back to Colwell, if Rudiger leaves because Chelsea couldn't sort it out, the players will know. The players in that changing room will know what's going on with Rudiger and his contract, what Chelsea will and won't offer, and how they are treating him. Um, and I don't want to speculate, but that that that's the truth. If next season, Levy Colwell comes in, the players are going to have to sit there and say, Chelsea have valued this youngster above Rudiger. How is that going to make these senior pros feel? The players like... I'm I'm thinking Aspilaqueta specifically, Christensen, Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante, Alonso, who have all played with Rudiger since he joined. You know, Kepper as well. We've seen how alienating senior players has affected Lampard. I don't think Tuchel's doing it, but if the club are going to alienate Rudiger in his contract offer and bring in this young player, I wonder if that might have a tri- uh, trickle down effect on the re- on the rest of the squad. Massive, massive speculation. I don't know. It, like it's, it, it's a fine line that Chelsea, gonna, <laughs> Chelsea have to play this well. Yeah, I guess it is also interesting as well. Like, obviously, I know it's it, it's on Twitter. We've not really got any concrete anything concrete, but there have been reports, albeit you know they are out of Spain. So again, take it with a pinch of salt. But you know, as Plaquetta's contract situation isn't perhaps necessarily like moving on. You know, it's really Chelsea don't seem to be like desperate to tie him down. And again, this is literally what we're reading from Spain, so there's going to be kind of like a bias towards it. Their point of view, but someone like Rudiger is such a crucial player. Uh, not Rudiger, sorry, Aspilicueta, who's such a crucial player to this team. You know, club captain. Um, the fact that his contract, there doesn't seem to be necessarily a huge rush on him. You know, that might be interesting to see what happens as well, because we kind of seen, like, we lost JT in the summer of 2016, or 2017. We struggled the following season. We lost, we lost someone like Drogba, even though he only came back for a year, 2015, and we struggled. I think we have got to be careful. We don't want to lose these big, these big players, these big personalities who do offer us a lot. And yeah, look, Rudiger is even most top three important players at Chelsea on Tuchel. I mean, I mean, that's hard to say. You, 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 you could probably make a case for a lot of players who are very important. You could make a case for Jorginho. You could make a case for Mendy. You could make a case for Mason Mount. You could play a case, make a case for Thiago Silva, Rich James, Ben Chilwell. I mean, we've talked about how much we miss Ben Chilwell. You know, he, you'd argue, you know, and we've struggled. You'd argue he's really important. So it, it is tough to say he is important. But look, I think it, we've got to, Rudiger, we've got, you know, as long as it's not like obscene, like we can't, I say we shouldn't break our wage structure for him because again, we kind of seen, not quite simple, we saw issues what happened when we gave Callum that big contract about young age when he wasn't proven, you know, because we handled that situation poorly because we would we were scared by him, we're going to take him, you know, and we have almost going to pay the price of that, but, you know, other players have seen what Callum's on, they want that. So I, I don't think we can necessarily like break that again, but I think we've also got to know Rud- what Rudiger is worth. He's one of the best centre-backs in Europe at the moment and can we easily replace him I don't think so so look that's what I would say we've got to you know we've got to try and make him make him feel valuable and look hopefully we can you know tie him up we can tie Christensen up you know Silva you know I think we will probably keep another season because he's just that good and he's so good but we've got you know a really solid defence at Chelsea and we just want them you know we want to keep him for as long as possible because there will be a point where we have to kind of break that free apart and I mean, thankfully, that's what's been good with Trevor. He's come in, he's looked, you know, really comfortable. But he can almost feel like he could slot in on that right side at points. So there is that option there. But I don't, I think it's very dangerous to all of a sudden, if, you know, as Plaquetta goes in the summer, Rudiger goes in the summer, and Christian Gertzen goes in the summer, all that, you know, that those back three, sort of the foundation of all Thomas Tuchel was done, 
you remove all that it's all good and then we're right okay not back to square one but we're almost like okay where where do we go from here it's, it's a dangerous proposition so i would say yeah we've got to go give Rudy good what he wants and as you say you lose much 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 more than just their footballing abilities um i, I was going back to thinking exactly like you said when we've when we've let terry go we've also let cahill and fabregas go um under under sari um and and into Lampard and you saw how Lampard struggled with young players because young players young players are hard they don't have that that experience that you, that you can call upon as you say let Rudiger go and not only is there not a natural left centre back replacement like of his level in 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 Europe or in Cobham you lose everything else you get with him you lose Aspilicueta you lose a club captain that's been here for nine years. You lose Christensen. You lose somebody who's now won a Champions League and has played games for Chelsea since he was about 18 years old. You, you lose so much when you lose these players that you can't just think about what they are in the squad or on the football pitch. It's their relationship with players. You know, if Chelsea had lost Jorginho over the summer, I think we'd have lost out on so, so much more than just a bloke that passes the ball a lot. He, they're, they're vital, vital characters to this squad right now. Vital. And there's no, you can't just usurp that in the squad. No matter how talented the players coming through are or how good the transfers are. You know, you can argue, other than pretty much, and alarm bells will ring, other than Declan Rice, nobody else can just come into this setup and sort of blend in like they belong. Because Rice would, because of his England connections and the character that he is. There aren't many other players in world football that would just slot into this team and just act like they belonged. You cannot just lose these blokes because you're setting yourself up for trouble. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. There's not, you know, we've got a really good squad. We want to keep it that way. We've got good players. And as I said, it's not easy. We can't just, you know, there's not that many players that will just, as you say, seamlessly fit into this side. I mean, you say even someone like Lukaku is taking time to really, you know, we haven't seen the best of him yet. We saw, we've seen glimpses. We saw him by what he's really capable of in that opening game against Arsenal, what he's capable of against Villa. But, you know, he's had injuries. We're struggling. You know, we still to see the best of him. We're not quite functioning yet. Kai Havertz, someone we bought, you know, we didn't really talk about him. He was all right yesterday. He wasn't great. But all this promise we spent on a player who's, you know, had some moments, but there's nothing more than that so far. His Chelsea career is defined by one goal that will make him love forever, and rightly so. But he's not, you know... He's not really shown yet that he's this 70 million, you know, bright prospect that all of Europe wanted. Timo Werner, we are, or well, I don't know if we will ever see the best of Timo Werner, but we'll hopefully we will. But it's kind of one of those things, you know, there is no guarantee that all these players, you know, we can bring in will work. And obviously, I guess, you know, attack is maybe slightly different to defence when you look at it. But we've got quality there now. We should do our best to keep it because it's a safer bet than just gambling on on someone from from Europe who we don't know how good they'll be coming into the Premier League from from prob- potentially a weaker league where they not haven't been tested as much. I mean, obviously, it's not quite the same, but we saw AC Milan midweek play against a rotated Liverpool side. An AC Milan side who I think were top of Serie A at the point, or were certainly there, got comfortably beaten by a rotated Liverpool side. You know, there is a big gap, I think, between the Premier League and a lot of other leagues at the moment. So, obviously, I think it is very you know much of be careful what you wish for. And as I say, I don't, I'm not that confident we will keep Rudiger, to be honest. I think he will be gone, which is a shame. But I think it's one of those where we should be doing all we can to keep him. Yeah. And week by week, what we should be doing needs to increase as well, because 
he is only proving that he deserves it, in my opinion. No, exactly, exactly. But that wraps up this week of that Chelsea podcast. It was a really nice one to record. So bring the question segment back. Before we go, I will give Tom to give himself one last plug where people can follow him. So Tom, where can people find you and all your work? Thank you very much, Nick. That's uh, at Tom Coley 49 on Twitter. And uh, also the page that I run is at the Chelsea social or the Chelsea social. I'm not actually sure what the at is for that, but you'll be able to find us. It's quite quite a decent sized page as well. Thank you, Nick. That's right. No worries, Tom. Uh, as for us, we're on Twitter, I've at Chelsea Pod and Instagram, I've at Chelsea Pod. Whenever we tweet out the pod, you know, give it a like, retweet, just share it with whoever. It really goes a long way. We're on, you know, all your podcast platforms, Fighters, Apple, Spotify, etc. Uh, if you want to leave us a rating review, that greatly helps. Uh, helps us go a long way. And yeah, just, just play, play it to whoever will listen, you know, because we're at the end of the day, we're just Chelsea fans talking about the one club we love. And yeah, it's a bit crazy. It's a bit chaotic at times at Chelsea moment. December is December. It's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, until the next episode, everybody keep blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.